It's been a number of weeks since we've looked at 1 Peter, so please open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3 this morning. Open up your Bible or your Bible app to 1 Peter chapter 3, and uh, if you don't know where that is, you can always check the table of contents. I'm going to begin reading while you're finding the book of 1 Peter chapter 3. I'm going to begin reading at verse 13. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect." having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit." In January, when we started this series of sermons called Full of Hope, I mentioned to you that the Apostle Peter wrote this letter to believers, fellow believers, who were scattered throughout Asia Minor. And they were undergoing a degree of persecution for their faith. They were chosen by God, which was encouraging for them to know, but bonded together as believers in Christ through suffering. These people had been singed by the hot flames of persecution. And times were tough. And yet when Peter wrote his first letter to them, he didn't try to pump them up with some sort of fluffy, positive thinking. Instead, he just points them to Jesus. Over and over again, he points them to Jesus. And he preaches the gospel to them, proclaiming Christ as Lord lifting their heads so that they could see above and beyond their circumstances to the sovereignty of God. Not a bad idea. And while most of us are not afflicted by, you know, intense persecution for our faith, we sure know what sorrow looks like, don't we? We understand pain. We we get that. We have, a, we have our own fair share of temptation to deal with. And then, of course, there's injustice. Oh, my goodness, don't get me started. There's a lot of injustice in the world today, isn't there? So we're looking at First Peter these days, and, and somebody thinks there's injustice going on in the nursery. I can tell that. <laughs> but hey, we're in this together, right? This is family. It's okay, right? Doesn't bother us too much. We're looking at 1 Peter these days so that we can lean on the gospel. And right in the midst of our affliction, we can lean on the gospel and learn to cope with injustice and be full of hope while we do so. That's what 1 Peter holds out to us this morning. And the passage we're dealing with today actually uh, is part of a larger section of Scripture that begins at verse 8. So we're going to actually begin with 1 Peter 3, verse 8, 
And, and there the writer begins to offer some good ideas on how to cope with injustice. And first of all, he says, cultivate Christian love. Perhaps the most important idea he'll lay before us this morning. Cultivate Christian love. Alan dealt with this passage uh, a few weeks ago. 1 Peter 3, verses 8 through 12. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, there it is, a tender heart and a humble mind. Don't repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So love is a recurring theme in Peter's letters. We read about that over and over again. Not just, not just God's love for us, but our love for other people. And so we see this again in verse 8. He brings up love again in verse 8. And yes, even in the midst of all the pain and the sorrow and the difficulty and the tribulation and the rejection and the betrayal and the injustice, we're still supposed to love others. That tough part of Scripture, right? Right in the middle of all that stuff that's going on, that's, that's going on around us and that's being done to us, We're to express brotherly or sisterly love. So how do we do that? How, how do we do that? Well, verses 8 to 12, Peter, Peter pretty much punches it out. He, you know, deliberately choose to love them. Um, have unity of mind. Be sympathetic. Uh, have a tender heart. Nurture a humble mind. It's all right there. Control your tongue. Good luck. <laughs> don't repay evil for evil, seek peace and pursue it, right? It's all right there in those five verses. Pretty simple list, right? I said simple, not easy. There's nothing easy about that. It's pretty simple. Second idea is to practice the lordship of Jesus. 1 Peter 3, verse 13. Now, who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you'll be blessed. So the assumption is, I mean, and the, the, the general reality is that if you are doing good, for those who, who, who live a lifestyle of doing good and helping others, typically you don't suffer nearly as much as those who do evil. That's, that's the contrast there. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, Peter says, you'll be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who, who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So out of this passage, I think verse 15 is really a key verse. And, and some of the different translations that we have available help us. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord, New International. 
You must worship Christ as Lord of your life. New Living Translation. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, King Jimmy. In your hearts, set Christ apart as holy and acknowledge Him as Lord. Amplified. In other words, practice the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Set Him apart as Lord and Master of your life and then practice, practice, practice. There's something in each one of us that just wants life to be fair, right? We want circumstances to be fair. Maybe that's why fairy tales are so appealing. Good people receive their rewards. Bad people are soundly punished. Uh, Life works out. Justice is done. Fairness reigns supreme. And everybody lives happily ever after, right? Well, in the fairy tales, that might be true. But real life somehow has a way of working out just a little differently. Have you noticed that? I mean, if you're over six, you probably have. You probably noticed that. More often than not, our our lives are haunted by, by prejudice and partiality and dishonesty and so on and so forth. Instead of justice, we're surrounded by inequity. We want deceit exposed. We want dishonesty revealed. And we want truth rewarded. That's the way it ought to be. But that's not usually the way it turns out. At least not the way we perceive it. Because we, you know, we, have, we, we see through these glasses dimly. But God knows. And, and many in our own church have really been rocked. Their lives have been rocked by unfairness. What we would call unfairness. You know, a, a spouse leaves a loving, faithful partner. That's not fair. Disease steals a family member prematurely. An underhanded situation at work or at school just keeps escalating. What's up with that? Life can be challenging at the best of times, but therein lies some of life's best lessons. Right there, right at the, right at the intersection. Some of the best lessons are learned. And Peter says, you know, even if you suffer for doing what's right... You'll be blessed. That's really not the, that's not the wisdom of the world, but that's what God says. And James said it this way in, in James chapter 1, verse 2. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. What was this guy smoking when he wrote this? Are you kidding me? Troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Joy? When injustice rises, and it will, consider it an opportunity to grow in grace and learn how to walk with Jesus in the power of the gospel. That's what that means. But honestly, how... How can we be happy and consider ourselves blessed when we're wounded and weary and faced with injustice every single day? How? By constantly practicing the Lordship of Jesus Christ. By setting apart Jesus as Lord and Master 
of every day. By acknowledging that you are a servant of the Most High God, a bondservant, a slave, some translations say, and slaves have no rights. By surrendering daily to the Master, by inviting the Holy Spirit to take control, by setting your minds on things above and not the things that are on earth, by humbling yourself in the sight of an almighty God. That's how you do it. Practice the Lordship of Jesus. And then you can say, maybe then you can say with the Apostle Paul, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live. It's not me who lives, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's how you do it. You walk crucified. You live crucified. So because of this, because we really are living dead men, crucified with Christ, we can do something that is radically different from all the rest of humanity. We really can. We really can stand out here if we want to. We can respond to injustice with a positive attitude, surrendering our hearts and lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and bring Him glory and honor and fame. Now, I'm not saying we should dismiss all the injustice of the world, that we should not address uh, sexual slavery, we should forget about abortion and all the other injustices of the world. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that when we address those things, if God calls us to address those things, we do it under the lordship of Jesus Christ and not in the power of the flesh. Not according to the political willpower of the day, but according to the word of God and the spirit of God that lives in us and drives us and moves us to live righteously and justly. I could get a little bit passionate about that, but I'll restrain myself. A third suggestion Peter gives to those who really want to deal with injustice in a way that pleases God, maintain a good conscience. Cultivate Christian love, practice the lordship of Jesus, maintain a good conscience or a clean conscience. We pick it up in verse 16. Having a good conscience, he says, so that when you are slandered, (laughs) when, not if, but when you are, because if you live for Jesus and you are trying to live a righteous life, you will get slandered. People will misunderstand you and your motives and what you're trying to do and what you're trying to say. And then those, but if you have a good conscience, he says, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. For it's better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Well, you know, there's just so much that we could say about these verses. I have a... There's a fellow who speaks on television often who says that if you are suffering, you are out of the will of God. The suffering is never God's will for the Christian. Say, well, then Peter must have been wrong. Because 1 Peter 3.17 says, it's better to suffer for doing good if that should be, what? God's will. Sometimes it is God's will for us to suffer, even for doing the right thing. We might certainly suffer for doing the wrong thing, but we may also suffer for doing the right thing. 
And followers of Jesus, Peter says, should always be ready to give a reason for the hope that is within them, but to do so with gentleness and respect. Not haughty, cocky, proud, you know, I got the right answers, I know Jesus, you're going to hell, buddy. (laughs) Nothing like that. And, And he goes on to say, if they keep a good conscience, any accusations against them will prove groundless. They'll just kind of fall right into the ground. Nobody, and nobody's going to listen. They're, they're groundless accusations. And their accusers will be put to shame. Now, the carnal side of me really likes that part of the verse. <laughs> right? And the carnal side says, oh, yeah, okay, Lord, put them to shame. Put them to shame. But that's assuming that you've got a good conscience. And that's a big assumption. That, that assumes that your conscience is clean and that you've got a good conscience and you're living a right life. Then maybe their slander will be put to shame. But a good conscience is essential. Nothing stands the test of time like solid character and a clean conscience. The, the Josephson Institute is an organization that measures and monitors ethics in North America. And a while back, they conducted a character study uh, among 30,000 high school students in over 100 high schools randomly selected across the country. And here's what they found. Among the findings, 64% of students said they had cheated on a test in the past year. 30% had stolen from a store. 42% said they would lie to save money. 83% said they had lied to their parents about something significant. And despite their transgressions, 93% of the students were satisfied with their personal ethics and their character. 93% were satisfied with lying and stealing and cheating. That is the epitome of self-deception right there. Peter urges us to have a good conscience, a clean conscience, to live a life that is exemplary so that those who might slander us would would be put to shame. They they would just go, they wouldn't know what to do or what to say because what they say is not true because your conscience is good and clean. But it's evident that high school students who participated in this survey survey says, have no idea what a good conscience looks like or feels like. Question is, do you? Do we understand what, how important that is? Do we understand what it means to have a, a clean conscience, a good conscience before God? See, followers of Jesus need to listen to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit as he tries to give us guidance each and every day, and he does, and he will if we're open to it. So when you saturate your heart and mind with the Word of God every day, whether it's morning, noon, or night, whenever you do your time with God, when you saturate your heart and mind with the Word of God every day, you stand a much better chance of maintaining a good conscience because the Word of God is, is, is literally on tap 24 hours a day, and you can tap into the Word of God and draw strength and draw courage and draw motivation and drive from the Word of God if you've got it on tap. If it's there, if it's in your heart, if it's in your mind, you can draw on that and draw strength from it to face the injustice, to answer the accusers, to do what needs to be done. 
See, the Word of God and the Spirit of God work together. They, they mesh together to help you maintain a good conscience, to create the atmosphere, the environment for you to develop and nurture and, and, and sustain a good conscience. There's no more eloquent testimony. There's not a, a more effective defense to the faith than a life lived with a good conscience. Integrity possesses invincible power to silence those who slander you. Integrity possesses invincible power to silence those who slander you. And I have discovered, even recently, that truth and time go hand in hand. And over time, the truth comes out. And over time, a life lived with integrity, over time, a good conscience prevails. And your accusers are put to shame. I've discovered that. Character will always win the day. You know, Peter is, he's just working overtime. He's working double time and a half. But he's not union, so he doesn't get paid for it. He's working hard to help us be ready for the injustice and the pain and sorrow and suffering that may come into our lives by the will of God. Father filtered, as it were. He's helping us to get ready for this and cope with it. And so his final suggestion comes in verse 18. Remember the mission of of Jesus. Remember the mission of Jesus. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Hallelujah. That's the gospel. Jesus suffered once for our sins. And he was completely righteous when he went to the cross. He didn't go to the cross for his sins. He went to the cross for our sins. The righteous Jesus suffered for the unrighteous servants so that the unrighteous sinners like us could be brought safely to God. That's the mission of Jesus. That's why he came. And that's the gospel in a nutshell. Jesus was the most caring, the most loving, the most truthful, the most holy person that ever walked the face of the earth. And yet he suffered deeply at the hands of Jewish and Roman injustice. So if Jesus suffered injustice, what makes us think we won't? But he suffered injustice and paid the price for all of the injustice so that he could kind of, he could cut a swath through the field of injustice for those who would follow him. And now we've got a track to run on. We got injustice on both sides of us and all around us, but we see the path that Jesus has cut. And we walk that path. Though it be a narrow path, and few are those who find it, we set our eye on the goal, and we press on toward the goal for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There's something in each one of us that just longs for circumstances to be fair. It's what makes fairy tales so enchanting. Good people receive rewards, bad people are punished. 
But real life just doesn't turn out that way. Only in the storybooks, only in the fairy tales. So we'd be much farther ahead if we just followed Peter's advice. If you suffer for doing the right things, consider yourself blessed by God. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Press on. Acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and Master of your life every day over everything, over everything. Every disappointment, every discontentment, every unfairness, every injustice. Consider Him Lord over all. Keep a clean conscience. And remember the mission of Jesus. Remember why He came. He came to pay the price for you. He came to suffer all the injustice of the world so that you didn't have to suffer it all. You might, you might experience some of it, but you won't suffer all of the injustice. Jesus took it all on himself so that by grace you can walk in his footsteps. Good news? Good news. Life isn't fair. If you have kids or grandkids, you've heard that a time or two. Life isn't fair, but it never has been fair, and it never will be fair until Jesus comes again. But, even if that's true, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, and besides, In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Isn't that right? It's true. Let's pray together. Father, we come this morning. We come to you in the strong name of Jesus. And Lord, we we thank you for his sacrifice, which opened up a new and living way for us. And for all who place their faith and trust in Him as Lord and and Savior and Master. And so, Father, we, we come before You this morning to confess our sins and our failures to You once again. Just asking for Your forgiveness and mercy and grace. Thank You for loving us. Thank You for revealing Yourself to us, Lord. Thank You for healing our woundedness and brokenness when we need it most. I think there are a lot of people in this room right now who are trying to cope with the unfairness of life. But some of us are trying to do that according to the flesh, the strength that we have, the the fortitude that we can muster. But it takes so much more than that. So, breathe your Holy Spirit into every situation that needs divine intervention today, Father. Fill us to overflowing with your Holy Spirit and power. And we intentionally and purposefully set apart Christ as Lord of our lives, Lord of our homes, Lord of our workplace, Lord of the classroom, and absolute Lord of the church. Lord, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And yes, one day all of heaven and all of earth will bow down before you in the wonder of your holy name. But until then, 
Lord Jesus. Until then, help us to cope with injustice in a way that's pleasing to you, in a manner that will bring more fame to the name of Jesus than we could ever hope or imagine. And we pray all of these things in that great name, the great name of Jesus. Amen.